Hi, my name's Adam, and this is the Foster Adoption Podcast, a resource for people who are interested in growing their family by adopting children from foster care. My heart was beating out of my chest. I could hardly breathe. It was the day after our court appearance, and we were on the phone with our county worker to tell her how court went. I was under the impression that the court was either going to rule in favor of continuing down an adoption path and continue to terminate the birth parents' rights, or they would rule that the birth grandma could be investigated as a potential placement again, and they would give her visits and everything would be really gradual, but no decisions would be made for many months until an additional exhaustive investigation could take place. When we spoke to the caseworker, She casually said, well, the boys are still with you, so that's a good sign. Perplexed, we said, well, the biggest decision the judge could have made is just for Grandma to get visits, though, right? She matter-of-factly retorted, oh, no, if they would have ruled for Grandma, the boys would have gone with her immediately. What? Sorry, what? What? What could have happened? We usually held our composure pretty well throughout this process, but this was the start of me losing control over my emotions. I just pictured them being forced to leave without notice. They understandably don't do well with surprise or change already. They need to visualize, they need to prepare, they need lots of information about where they are going and what they're going to be doing, and whenever we go anywhere or do anything, I could not handle The thought of them leaving without us being able to prepare them for this transition. So later in the phone call, it hit us. Wait, if that was a real possibility at court yesterday, is it a possibility at court in two months? We nervously asked the social worker. She confirmed that if court rules that their grandmother is an appropriate placement, they will need to be packed up to leave in a few hours. Intellectually, this was something we of course had thought about and prepared for since the beginning. Everything about the process reminds you that adoptions are disrupted all of the time. But I guess because we weren't having any birth family visits and everything was going so well, we just lost sight of the possibility that this could end a different way. So, we spent the next two months trying to give them as many fun experiences as possible, but also intellectually preparing for the court decision. It was important to try as hard as possible to look at it through the eyes of what is best for the boys. Obviously, if we were only looking at it through our lens, there was one perfect scenario and one unthinkable scenario. But, the entire purpose of foster care is to achieve what is best for the children. So if the court was going to decide that they were going to live with their birth grandma, it was our job to try and respect that decision and make sure that the boys are prepared for life success no matter what happened in court. So we tried to help them remember their grandma and remember any good memories they may have had. And previously, when they would ask questions about the future, like, when are we going to this amusement park or can I be Spider-Man for Halloween? We would answer in certain terms. 
But now we held back. We would say, I don't know. Depends on what happens in court. I tried to imagine their lives down the road with us and imagine their lives down the road with Grandma. I personally needed to know they would be okay no matter what, so I tried to psych myself up for the kind of benefits they would have if they moved in with Grandma. This was going to be the defining moment of their lives. When they are adults, they will look back at this court decision as the chip that determined the course for the rest of their lives. I needed to be able to picture happiness for them either way. It was hard. It was hard to do. I obviously didn't do a very good job of it because I was stressed. Stressed out. The upcoming court decision subconsciously weighed on my mind, and I think it weighed on Matt's mind as well. The reason why I know this is because we experienced significant behavior changes in both boys. Looking back at my daily journal for that two-month period between court dates, reads like it's about two completely different kids. Our younger boy discovered tantrums as his new preferred method of communication. We started to get calls from school about negative things that our older boy did in school. We were shocked. He rarely made any bad choices, and if he did, he always learned the lesson very quickly. And suddenly, he was getting into trouble? I've read the Scream Free Parenting book four times now. I could recite parts of it. But my response to the tantrums and the trouble was to raise my voice, which was not an effective strategy at all. Screaming at a child to get him to stop screaming sure doesn't make any sense when you think about it logically. But I wasn't thinking about anything logically in the time before our next court date. The thing, though, that I didn't realize until after court was that they were only acting out in response to how we were acting. We were so stressed out by court that the boys were feeding off of that stress. It wasn't just us, though. There were other changes going on that caused some of the cray behavior. Remember the birth parent visit episode from a long time ago? We didn't either. It had been so long since the birth mom uh, had visited that we didn't plan around the assigned visit times anymore. We took for granted that they weren't happening. But during this time, in between court dates, the birth mom called to set up a visit. Here's the thing. We knew that there was a possibility that court could rule against adoption, and even though it caused a lot of stress, we still had this one impenetrable thought in the back of our minds that there haven't been any visits. How can they rule for reunification when there aren't any visits? Now, during this critical time before the court date, we were going to have a visit? So the birth mom and birth grandma show up. And this time, they there aren't any big emotional shifts or anything. I was in the lobby waiting, and when they left, they said, See you next week to the boys. In my mind, I was bummed that she said that, because from the pattern beforehand, I thought she was setting them up for disappointment by indicating that she will be coming next week when previous records show that she wouldn't be coming next week. So we went home, I updated our birth mom contact log, and it said there were two visits in six months now. I took a deep breath and tried to see that through a judge's eyes, and I thought I could still relax a little bit. Even as I say these things out loud, I feel like I need a constant caveat. 
Yes, we were rooting very hard for the boys to be able to stay with us forever. It isn't that I don't understand the goal of foster care is reunification. We just knew if they're with us, we can keep them safe and happy and loved unconditionally. And in the other potential scenarios, we have major question marks about their ability to be kept safe. So I don't mean to be untrue to the foster care process and mindset. I just genuinely think that we are the safest option for the boys. So anyway, the following week comes and I get a text from our social worker saying the birth mom called and scheduled a visit. My anxiety level spiked. She followed through in a way that she hadn't previously done. Usually it was between 60 to 90 days between contact with the boys. But this was going to be two straight weeks. My mind started to race and think constantly what court would look like if she was able to report that she had started a visit every week. I really started to feel the fact that the boys could reunify. We went to the visit and birth mom and birth mom, grandma were already there waiting. I still can't properly communicate how bizarre of a situation this is. When I drop them off, the boys look like zombies. They don't really have any reaction at all to seeing them. I don't know if it's because I'm there, or because they don't know how to act, or what, but I would drop them off and they would just stand there, and I would find myself saying, Okay, boys, go give hugs. And then they wouldn't, and I would say, Boys, don't be disrespectful. Go give hugs. And then my mind would just go crazy and wonder why am I pushing them so hard to go hug their birth mom and birth grandma. They should be able to react however they want to react. Maybe they don't want to give them hugs. I don't know. But I guess a part of me wants the mom and grandma to have peace of mind that the boys are living in a positive and respectful environment. Anyway, I don't know. It's a bizarre feeling. But at the end of the visit, they all come back out to the lobby and the mom says, see you next week again. And I was just like, all right, here we go. So she's really starting to show an effort to get her kids back, but she really hasn't done anything else that's on her list that she needs to do. And I don't know. I guess I just needed to really emotionally prepare which I did by going home and crying uncontrollably <laughs> um, so the next day after the visit we took the boys on vacation we wanted them to have the experience of staying in a hotel and going to this one amusement park that they've been wanting to go to for months we had an amazing time and seeing them so sublimely happy just caused me to be overwhelmed with emotion they seemed so joyful, and they seemed like they were genuinely comfortable and thriving with us. I did not want it to end. The next week, I was fully prepared for a visit. As a reminder, in order to set up a visit, the mom needed to call by a certain time to schedule it. That time came and went, and I took a deep breath and started to relax. I wasn't rooting against a visit at all, it's just... It's an emotional time, and not having a visit meant that we didn't have to go through that emotional time. I was surprised that she didn't call, though, because she had done so the previously two weeks. It seemed like she was really getting back on track. Then on Thursday, a few hours before what time the visit would have been, 
she called the social worker to schedule a visit. We would have had to have left the house by the time that she called to schedule this visit in order to make it on time. The social worker said, no, I'm sorry, you needed to call earlier by the actual deadline. The mom said, oh yeah, I forgot. Stuff like that is when I really, really have to go back and check my privilege in the situation. It was so, so easy for my mind to yell, you forgot? How could you possibly forget something like that? If I could only see these boys for two hours a week, I would call, email, and text in time to make sure there wasn't any confusion because they deserve to have people who put their needs above everything else. This is what would go through my mind. But, when I take a few steps back, I'm reminded, I don't know her life, I don't know her situation, I don't know what's going on, I don't know when she has access to a phone, I don't know when she has time off to be able to make a call, etc. So I tried really hard to never show any of these feelings on the outside. Anyway, we didn't have a visit that week, but we did have our county adoption worker visit. This was the last visit that we would have from her before court, which was important because she was going to be writing one of the court recommendation documents to the judge. So how these visits usually go is that the worker comes and speaks to us alone to hear how the boys are doing and to hear any concerns or problems that are going on. Then she goes into the boys' room and meets with them individually with the door closed. She's presumably asking them questions about their safety and happiness to make sure that they are being treated correctly, fed enough, make sure that there aren't any incongruencies between what we say is happening and what they say is happening. Usually I don't get to hear anything about what is, was said when she meets with them individually, but this time I talked to her afterwards about court and about how nervous we are. She said, I know it's tough, but try to remain optimistic. You have a lot going in your favor. She then told me a little bit about what our older boy said to her. He asked her, am I going to live here forever? She said, I don't know. Do you want to live here forever? Yes, I want to stay here forever. She said, what about your mom and grandma? Do you want to live with them? He replied, no, I can visit them. I want to live with Daddy and Papa forever. Cue tears now. He says stuff like that to us all the time. But to hear that he said that to the person who he knows has a lot of power to make it happen when we weren't there to hear it, it was just very refreshing to hear that he isn't just telling us that he is happy, but that he's verbalizing it to others as well. So after that, we hit sort of a moment of Zen where we just started focusing on what we can control. We knew that the county social worker's recommendation was for adoption. The adoption caseworker was recommending adoption. Our boys communicated to them that they wanted to be adopted. The boys' lawyers seemed to be in favor of adoption. So the only thing that we could do was put our heart and soul into an epic caregiver report. A caregiver report is the only real voice we have in court. We are allowed to submit a report on how the boys are doing. It's supposed to just stick to the facts and not be in 
editorialized view on why we want a certain outcome. So we talked about how the boys are thriving in our home, how they're progressing in school, how frequent the birth parent visits are, just the facts. So we made a spreadsheet of the birth parent visits, which ended up being just the three total visits and some attempted phone calls. In the report, you're allowed to include a picture. So we made a collage of about 30 pictures put into one to show the boys doing homework, going to different theme parks, playing in the park, and smiling in a variety of different settings. I guess we just had this nagging feeling throughout the whole process that all of these people are making such important decisions about our boys' lives. And they're doing so from brief reports and monthly 15-minute visits. We spend 24 hours a day with them, so it's up to us to properly communicate how they are actually doing. The first time we mailed in the caregiver report. You just make eight copies and mail it to the court and trust that it gets there okay. This time, though, the stakes were way too high. So we made the copies and drove to the courthouse to hand deliver them. We had to deliver them to this kind of general services kiosk. And so I waited in this line and the person behind the counter was so firm and strict with everyone who went in front of me. So I was extremely nervous as I got up there. I handed her the forms and she said, Oh, yay, a caregiver report. Do you have a picture? Is there a picture? She thumbs through the report to see the collage and she just goes off in detail about how happy they look and how wonderful adoption is, which is wonderful and very nice and kind. But at the same time, I was surrounded by people who were in a very different situation. I just felt daggers coming from each and every one of them. I was there for a happy reason. I'm trying to adopt children while every other person around me was there on their worst day. Many of them are having their kids taken away. I wanted to put my finger up to my mouth and say shh to the nice person, but instead I just kind of put my head down and walked out as fast as possible. And that was it. The reports were delivered. We had done everything we could to let them know that we would be a safe, loving, and caring environment for these boys forever if they would let us. And from this point until the court date, we just focused on what we could control, which was cherishing every single moment with these boys. We had a lot of fun. We tried to give them a lot of experiences. We had family come from out of town to visit to make sure that they met the boys, just so they know that there are lots of people who love them. This time period fell over Father's Day and the 4th of July, so we just went all out for both. We weren't sure if we were going to have another Father's Day, so we wanted to make it great. Neither of the boys had ever celebrated their birthday before either, so we went all out for their birthdays. The decision day was fast approaching, so we treated each day like it would be our last with them. The next time on the Foster Adoption Podcast our intense conclusion to the court experience. Thanks for listening.